Let's pray. Amen. So as anybody that's moved, especially across the country, knows, there is uh, a lot of stuff that has to take place before uh, you get to your destination. So the last two weeks have been, I mean, really the last six, six weeks or so have been very, very busy. A lot of things that we're preparing to get the house sold and, or get it listed. Uh, financial things, um, getting the kids registered for school out there. I've started a new job here and uh, working remotely for Karis. Just a lot of things going on, a lot of pressures. And I think we all know that the enemy works through circumstances. He uses those circumstances to put thoughts in our head. We think it's our voice, but it's really the voice of doubt, the voice of the flesh, the voice of the world. That's what you're hearing during contrary circumstances. So I won't go into all the details about uh, some of the things just we've faced, but the other day I was, I'd gotten up early. I do my, I spend my time with the Lord in the morning before the kids wake up. And I was praying about several things, uh, but specifically about what to speak on tonight. I had thought of a couple things I felt like I was led to speak on, but it, I just wasn't 100% at peace about, about those topics. And so uh, I, I started my morning by praying in tongues. And I, I throughout my, my life of uh, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit and Spirit-filled, speaking in tongues. It is such a blessing to be able to have that gift to communicate when you don't know what to pray for. You might know the Word, you might know the verses to speak, you might know what the Word says, but the Lord, through praying in tongues, can give you the Word in season that He's already planted in your heart it could have been six months ago, it could have been a year ago, but the Holy Spirit brings that back up to your remembrance and gives you that word. And that one word can change what you see spiritually. Right? The world, the world takes what they see, and that is what changes, that, that affects what they hear. So they take what they see, and based on what they see is what they hear on the inside of them. What the Word of God does, the Word sows the, that's a seed, gets planted on the inside of you, and it changes what you hear on the inside, and that can change what you see in the natural. It might not change the circumstance right away, but it changes how you perceive that circumstance. It changes the position you're looking at it from. And so as I was praying, I prayed for about 40 minutes. And it takes me quite a while to quiet my mind. And so it took me about 30, 40 minutes to get to the point where the, the Lord spoke to me one word or one section of Scripture. And what He said to me, and I believe it's a word for this church, a word for the people in this church, He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I just stopped. It's, it's happened several times, but I'll just stop, and I just know that's, that's the Holy Spirit right there. And so what brought to mind when, when I heard that is uh, Moses at the Red Sea, Exodus 14. That's the first time this was said. So that's what we're going to go to tonight. We're going to start there. 
So we're going to go to Exodus 13, and we're going to start out in uh, verse 17, and we're going to go through 22. I'm just going to, I'm going to have to paraphrase some of this due to time. But we see that the nation of Israel, all the ten plagues have happened. They are, uh, Pharaoh has released them. He said, go and serve your God. This is after the, the death of the firstborn. And uh, the, the children of Israel, it says they, um, they are leaving, and it says that they left in boldness. They left actually marching in military form. The word that was used is uh, implying that they left Egypt kind of cocky, kind of like, yeah, you know who our God is, and that's how they were leaving. And this is, uh, this is what uh, verse 17 says. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, this is the New Living Translation, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. You know, I don't think God said they might. I think God knew they were going to return to Egypt if they faced a battle. Even though they were leaving, leaving Egypt, acting like they had conquered the world, acting like they were cocky, they had just, the, the Egyptians had given them riches. They could have asked for anything they wanted, and the Egyptians would have given it to them and said, just go, just leave us. God knew their heart. You see, we look at the, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, and God knew that if they faced any resistance, they were not prepared to face that. They would immediately turn around and go back into slavery. He knew they wouldn't stand and fight. So he went against, he told, uh, he told Moses, this is where you're going to lead them. In fact, it was the, uh, the cloud by day and the fire by night, the Holy Spirit that led them to the edge of the wilderness and not to take the shortest route to the Philistine or through the Philistine land. You know, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And the wisdom of God, many times, is foolishness to the world. So people probably, I'm sure many of the Israelites looked at this and they said, Moses, this is the quickest way to the promised land. What are you doing? There's really no other way to go to the promised land. This is the quickest way. Why are we not taking the most logical path of least resistance to get to where God told us to go? Well, God tells Moses, he says, uh, he says, don't go that way. He says, he's given, he gives him very specific instructions of where to go. And he tells him to go and pretty much pin himself and the entire nation of Israel at the edge of the sea, walled on both sides, only one way in, one way out. And that's where he tells him to go. He doesn't tell them what he's going to do. He doesn't tell them how he's going to get them to the promised land from there. He doesn't tell them steps three, four, five. All he says is that he's going to receive glory from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. That's it. He doesn't tell them how. So he, many, many people think that Moses was this uh, shy, stuttering. Um, he, Moses, according to Stephen, was a mighty man in Egypt. When he was in Egypt, it says that, that Moses was wise and he was powerful. Now, I've heard that in uh, historical records outside of the Bible that Moses is documented for having 
uh, many military crusades in conquering lands for the Egyptians. Now, I haven't verified that, but I believe it if he was a prince of Egypt. So, so Moses knew what, the, what was not a very good strate- strategic position. He knew that. And yet he listened to the word of the Lord, knowing that this is foolishness for the entire nation of Israel to pin themselves in at this one point. Moses had to know that it was potential, there was a potential that Pharaoh would come after them. He had to know that. And yet he obeyed, not knowing how they were going to get to the promised land, what was going to take place once they got there. He obeyed and and the nation of Israel followed him. So in Exodus 14, God gives Moses specific directions. God tells Moses what Pharaoh's response will be. He says that they'll be confused, trapped. And then in verse 4, that Pharaoh will pursue you. But then he says, I will display my glory unto Pharaoh, his army, and all of Egypt. Then we go to verse 5 through 12. So Moses and the children of Israel obey. To everyone, probably it looked like the worst strategic military decision in history. But Pharaoh does exactly what God said he would do. It says that, that God hardened his heart. It doesn't say God forced Pharaoh to do what he did. You know, Pharaoh already had bitterness, offense, anger. Yes, his heart was hardened. God hardened his heart. But he didn't force Pharaoh to go after them. Pharaoh, I believe Pharaoh hated the nation of Israel. I mean, his, his son died because they were there. And so Pharaoh hears from somebody that they're now pinned in, that they, he thinks they're confused, he thinks they're lost, that they, know, they have no, no idea what they're doing, that the wilderness has, uh, they're lost in the wilderness. And so he takes the entire army of Egypt, all the chariots, and he pursues after them. It doesn't say what his intent was, whether it was to enslave them again or just exterminate them. I don't know. But he was taking the whole military force of Egypt to go after them. So it wasn't good. So the nation of Israel get to where they're going. They see Pharaoh coming with all of his troops. And they find themselves in a very odd position. And I believe it's a position that probably most of you have been in where you're in the center of God's will, you're doing exactly what God told you to do, and yet there's an enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, the Israelites obeyed exactly what God told them to do, and yet here comes the enemy. They're face to face with an enemy force in the center of God's will, and here's the enemy. Most people think if you're in the center of God's will, everything's going to be smooth and perfect. That's not the case. In fact, it's the exact opposite. If you're in the center of God's will, there's an enemy who knows somewhat what the potential could be if you follow through with what God has told you to do. I'm not saying that the the devil knows the future. I'm just saying he's a spirit being, and, and he discerns things spiritually because he is a spirit being. And there's things you can see spiritually about a person that can show the potential they have. All right? So what is their response at this point? 
They're face to face with the enemy. Their back's up against the Red Sea. They have nowhere to go. No other options. Well, they, they do exactly what God said they would do when they were faced with a battle. Because they have no place to go, now they're looking about who to, who to blame. Who can I blame here for the situation we're in? I'm going to die, so I might as well blame somebody for putting me here before I die. So they say, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in this wilderness? These are the same people that were marching out boldly several days before that. What have you to do or what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? While we were in Egypt, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. You know, there's a deception that the enemy uses to keep in bondage those enslaved by, by sin, by temptation. You know, a person gets delivered, they get set free, they, they come to Jesus and they give their life to Jesus and they realize that the road, they have just stepped onto the battlefield on the front lines. And the deception is, wasn't it so easy when you were back there doing what you wanted? Wasn't it so easy when you were enslaved to whatever the addiction is you were enslaved in? These people wanted to go back and be placed back in slavery when the last 400 years they were crying out to God for salvation. It's a lie from the devil. So how does Moses respond? He's got the entire nation of Israel coming at him now. Instead of facing the enemy, instead of grabbing what they can to, to fight, they're now turning back towards him and saying, We're, we want to kill you because you put us here. Verse 13 and 14, And Moses said unto the people, Man, I love this. I, I love how Moses responds. He says, this is the King James, he says, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he, will show you to you, which he will show to you today, for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more, forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. He pretty much said, you, you need to shut up. Right? I want to key in on the phrase that the Lord spoke to me while praying the other day. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, let's think of the word salvation. In Hebrew, that word salvation is Yeshua. That's the Hebrew name for Jesus. So in essence, Moses was saying, stand still, see Jesus. I mean, I think that's awesome. He's saying, see Jesus. Yeshua, that word that's, that's used for Jesus, means salvation, deliverance, welfare, prosperity, victory, health, help. Seeing Jesus. What does Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 say? It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, seeing Jesus is actually seeing faith. You can see faith. We see that in Scripture. Jesus saw faith. Paul saw faith in the, the man that was lame. You can see faith. Jesus is the source of our faith. 
Paul said that he lived by the faith of Jesus. So when Moses says, see the salvation of the Lord, he's saying, see Jesus through the eyes of faith. So what happens at that point? Moses puts them in their place. says, see Jesus or see the salvation of the Lord. He goes and it doesn't really give what takes place after that. But from all appearances, it looks like he got somewhere where he was alone and he started crying out to God. He's probably saying, God, I did what you said. I'm here. I don't know where, what we're doing here. I don't know where we're going, but I did what you said. Help us. And the Lord says in the next verse, he says, why do you cry unto me? Tell the people to march forward. So he tells them, tell the people to march towards the water. There was nowhere to go. They were just wa walking to water. Nobody had parted, the, parted water before that. They didn't know what was going to happen. They had to see through the eyes of faith. So he says, tell the people to march forward. And then he tells Moses, go stretch out your staff in your hand over the water. And I'm going to part the sea for you. He didn't do it before they marched forward. He didn't do it when they saw the enemy. He did it when they, by faith, said, I don't know what we're doing, but obviously I guess we're going to go swimming. We're going to march forward here. <laughs> and Moses obeyed and stretched his hands up, and the sea parted. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I was reading that verse the other day, and the way I, or the way the Holy Spirit told me to read it is, now Jesus is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jesus is the substance of our hope. You know, it says that we serve the God of hope. It never says that we serve the God of faith. Why is that? Because his faith is contained in his word, and Jesus is the word made flesh. So Jesus is our faith. Now, I'm, obviously, God is three in one. God the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. I'm saying they're, they're all three in one, but they, they have different, I don't know if jobs is the right, right thing to say, but God has designated his word to contain his faith, with, which is Jesus Christ. And when he sent Jesus, he spoke Jesus into existence. He had people on earth speak Jesus into existence through his word. Jesus is the source of our faith. Hebrews 11:27 says this. This is referring back to Moses. It says, "By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." It says that Moses endured as seeing him, and in the New King James that H is capitalized, referring to Jesus, seeing him who is invisible. So I want to ask you tonight, who are you seeing? Or what are you seeing? Are you seeing the circumstances? Are you seeing what's going on in the world? Are you seeing politics? Are you seeing suicide? What are you seeing? Or are you seeing Jesus? Are you seeing him who is invisible to the natural eye? Moses endured. You could say that Moses 
walked through the Red Sea, seeing him who is invisible walking before him. You know, in Psalms, it actually says that. In Psalm 77, 16, this is the New Living Translation, it says, When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled, the sea quaked to its very depths. Who did the, the ocean was created by God. The, it says the, the world groans for the display of the sons, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, son, the sons of God, right? To be manifested. Well, what was the ocean seeing? The ocean was seeing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator standing before them, and it trembled. It trembled at what it saw, and it parted. So how did it part? Well, it says in verse 19, Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. The way I take that is, Jesus walked through the water before the Israelites did. What took place, what manifested in the, in the physical, first took place in the spiritual. So when, when Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, he was saying, stand still and see Jesus walk before you. I mean, that's awesome. That is awesome. In the spirit, if you were, if you were looking through the eyes of the spiritual realm, I believe you would have seen Jesus strolling through the path, through the waters to the other side. And all they had to do was follow by faith. Acts 3.16 says, this is, this is the story of Peter and John walking into the, the temple and they go through the gate beautiful and, and there's the lame man from his birth. You know, mentioned several times healings that took place from people who were disabled from birth. It's like God wanted you to know that even if you were born with a disability, that does not limit the power of God. I mean, there's several instances where it specifically mentions this man was blind from birth, this man was lame from birth. So on this particular day, this man has been sat there every single day for years. On this particular day, Peter and John walk by, and this man asks alms of them. And it says that Peter and John, they fixed their eyes on this man, and there was something different this day. I'm sure this man had heard about Jesus. I'm sure he'd actually probably seen Jesus walk by. You know, Jesus um, was thronged with people, but he was in the temple a lot, and it says this man was sitting there daily at the temple. So they go over, and, and they see that this man is expecting to receive something. He's expecting to receive something. And Peter and John, they fix their eyes on him, and they say, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have I give unto you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. It says that he grabs the man and he picks him up. Well, what did that man see? What changed inside that man from wanting just some money just something to help him, just wanting mercy and compassion, to all of a sudden, I'm healed. I can walk. It was the name of Jesus. 
He knew Jesus. He knew what Jesus had done. Jesus' name was all over the place. He knew this man, Jesus. And when they said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. That man saw Jesus. Instead of seeing Peter and John, he saw Jesus. And he stood up and walked. Paul Paul was in Lystra, and he, he was ministering, and he sa- it says that he was ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says as he was ministering, he saw that a man who had been impotent or lame from birth, he saw that he had faith to be healed. And he looked over in the midst of his message, and he said, stand on your feet. And it says the man jumped up on his feet. Well, what would that mean? How do you see faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, Paul was preaching the gospel of Jesus. Paul was preaching healing. He was preaching, and he saw that this man had faith to be healed. He saw that this man saw Jesus. He was seeing through the eyes of Jesus. He was seeing through faith. I've seen this one time. I might have seen it times before, but this is the... This is the I will never forget this miracle that was done in my life and in my wife's life. I saw faith. So I can relate to this. I saw faith in my wife when our son, uh, Cullen, was born. We had a home birth, and, and Cullen, when he came out, was not breathing. It was a breech birth, and this is, I graduated from first year of Bible college, I knew all the scripture. I knew, I knew God's will was always good. I knew, uh, I knew the words to speak. But when I saw them doing mouth-to-mouth on Cullen, on our bed, in our bedroom, even though I was speaking everything I should speak over my son, my heart was saying something different. I was allowing what I saw with my eyes to affect what I believed in my heart. And so while I was speaking those things, what I was saying, what I was hearing in my heart was, your son's going to die. This is all your fault. Your son is going to die on this bed. He went four and a half minutes without taking a breath. There was a moment where his heart rate was going down very low. And the nurse, the head nurse that was there, looked at me and said, Dad, you need to call 911. And I'm being a first responder. I know she was very calm. She was very reserved. She was very professional. But I knew by the sound, by the tone of her voice, and by the look she gave me, that this was life or death. This was, this was not good. And so I go get the phone downstairs, and I run back upstairs, and I'm on the phone, and I'm giving the dispatcher all the, all the necessary information. And as I'm sitting there talking... I'm getting ready to close the conversation. They're sending medics. And I'm looking at this scene in front of me. And I see four nurses working on our infant baby, giving mouth to mouth to him. I see Cullen turning gray. And the only color on Cullen is in his chest area. And then I see my wife. And... uh, I saw faith. 
my wife is looking at our <clears throat> newborn child who she just carried for nine months, birthed with no pain medication, inside our house, and she's looking and just smiling ear to ear, looking at a baby that's not breathing, and she is smiling and just saying, you're going to breathe in the name of Jesus. See, she was seeing a different baby. She was allowing what was in her heart to affect what she saw with her eyes. And when I saw that, it was like what Moses did to the nation of Israel. It was like a slap across my face. It was like faith hit me in the face and said, what are you believing? And I went into our bathroom. I separated myself from what was going on out there. And I began praising God. I put my hands up and I just started confessing, this is not you, Lord. Thank you for the long life you have for my son. Thank you for his future wife. Thank you for the kids he'll have. Thank you for the miracles you will work at his hands. And I started praising the Lord in our bathroom. And I came out several, several seconds later and it was, there was something different. There was a change, an atmosphere change in the spirit the spiritual realm when I came out there. What turned from fear was anger now. I was angry at the devil. I was saying, how dare you touch my son? My son is not going to die. Amen. And my wife, uh, she was getting worked on now, and, and nobody was touching Colin at this point. So I went over, and I put my hand, and they were still doing mouth-to-mouth -mouth on him. I put my hand beside him, or on him, and he went and he grabbed my finger, and, and he's, this is now four and a half minutes, and he's not taking a breath, but he grabbed and squeezed my finger, and at that point, my words had power connected to him, because the inside had changed. I was seeing something different on the outside. Nothing had changed. You know, you might be saying, well, if your wife was in faith, then, then why didn't things change? Well, my wife and I are one flesh. It's double-mindedness. If my wife is in full faith, but I am in doubt and unbelief, then that's, that's negating each other. You are one flesh with your spouse. So this might be a word for someone in here, but if you've been believing for something and it hasn't happened, it might be maybe someone is not fully persuaded. Maybe there's someone that's in doubt or unbelief. Because when, when my wife and I's heart were, was united, that's when the miracle took place. Hallelujah. That's when I spoke, and within seconds of me speaking, all of a sudden, boom, his, his throat's cleared, he's, he's crying. All the color comes back to his body. Within, within a second, all the color, I mean, he's, he's perfectly fine. What went from life or death became, here's your, here's your baby. And so the baby that Sherry saw when he wasn't breathing was the baby she received in the natural. What she saw in the spiritual took place in the natural. So you can, we can see faith. And when you see it, you know it's faith. Praise God. more I, I would like to say, but I'm running out of time here. I'm actually out of time. But I want to ask you 
today. What are, what are you seeing today? You might say I'm believing. You might say I'm, I've been speaking over this. I've been confessing. I've been, all that is great if you're seeing the author and finisher of your faith. But if you're not seeing Jesus and you're relying on those things to manifest what you're believing for, then you're just, you're relying on works at that point. All Moses said was stand still and see Jesus. Is there anybody in here that has been believing for something, has been praying for something, but that you haven't seen it. You haven't seen it spiritually, so therefore it's not taking place physically. If there's anybody in here that's in that position, I'm going to give you an opportunity, just like Moses gave the nation of Israel an opportunity. Moses said, march forward. Moses didn't do it for him. He, he said, you guys march forward, and then he went up to the water and did what he did. So if there's anybody in here that's, that's been believing for something that's just not manifested, there's other things going on in your life, I, I just want to tell you, take a step forward and see Jesus. See Jesus.